0: Hello and welcome to Muller, She Wrote for Sunday, November 21st, 2021. I'm your host, Allison Gill. You might know me as AG. And today we have a lot for you. Some news on Russian election interference and investigation happening there. A very special fantasy indictment league today, and a discussion with the author of *American Compromise*, Craig Unger, which I'm very much looking forward to. We have some Flynn news as well as some fresh information on the Alpha Bank server, Trump Tower back channel story, the whole thing that Durham, who was investigating the Oranges, indicted Michael Sussman over. Sussman was a lawyer who took a bunch of the Alpha Bank and uh, Trump Tower communications information over on a flash drive to the FBI and a second agency. Well, I think we found out what the second agency was and what he was taking to them. So we have a lot to cover this week. Let's jump in with just the facts. All right. First up from our friend Scott Stedman at Forensic News, which I highly recommend you subscribe to. There's really important news coming out of, uh, of his organization uh, on a continuing, ongoing basis. It's really it's well worth your time. Um, the FBI is conducting a wide-ranging criminal investigation into a Russian diaspora group, which announced on November 18th it was packing up, shutting down, and heading out because of FBI scrutiny. The Daily Beast first reported FBI interest in this community. This Russian, it's called the Russian Community Council of the USA, which is abbreviated in Russian as KSORS, K-S-O-R-S. So I'm going to be referred to that as KSORS from now on. Um, and that was in June of 2021, the Daily Beast reported that that uh, the FBI was taking a look at uh, KSource. Now, information coming from KSource and sources who spoke with forensic news indicate that the FBI investigation is criminal in nature and more expansive than previously known than publicly reported by the Beast. While a statement uh, from KSource announcing its suspension of activities says the FBI is investigating potential violations of FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, Sources tell Forensic News that investigators are also keenly interested in K source political activities, including rallying Trump supporters in 2020. As stated in the Daily Beast article, um, the FBI investigation has included multiple search warrants conducted at the residence of senior members of the group. Numerous electronic devices were seized in late 2020. That's according to a former member of the group who spoke on the condition of anonymity. And the group's former chairwoman, Elena Branson fled to Russia around the same time of the electronic device seizures because she was worried about a potential arrest. Interesting. Branson also shares a copy of her search warrant and says that the charges being investigated included not only failure to register under Farah, but also conspiracy to defraud the United States and 18 U.S. Code Section 951, a law often referred to as espionage light. If you'll remember, Maria Butna was convicted under the same statute. Section 951 is more serious than Farah and contains stiffer penalties, um, and that was according to Lawfare, as they were looking at the Butina case. An enhanced screenshot of the search warrant presented in Branson's interview with Butina confirms that Section 951 is a pillar of the probe. Uh, a 2020 byline Times article found that Branson and other case source official, uh, another one named Sergey Gladysh, promoted the Trump 2020 Labor Day cruise rally in Portland, Oregon, and that Gladysh had a history of uh, pushing vitriolic pro Kremlin narratives. And a different source with knowledge of the FBI probe, who spoke to Forensic News on a condition of anonymity, says that some of the federal interest in K-Source centered around Mikhail Morgulis, a Soviet born theologian and honorary counsel to Belarus. Morgulis sat on the board of K-Source from t- uh, 2014 to 2018, kept a close personal contact with Branson, according to one of the sources. And M- Morgulis died. Uh, on November 16th of this year just a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, uh, Morgulis attempted to rally Russian voters for Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020 and allied himself with numerous associates connected to Russian intelligence influence operations that have caught the attention of the FBI including Sergey Milian He worked on a plan with him to rally Russian voters in 2016. Million, who was in contact with Trump aide George Papadopoulos later fled the country was not able to be interviewed by investigators. Senate Intelligence Committee uh, later found that uh, much about Sergei Million resembles the activities by a Russian intelligence officer or co-optee. And Million exhibited behavior consistent with intelligence tradecraft, and both have significant ties to Russian government and business circles. And in a 2017 interview, Morgulis claimed he personally visited 11 cities in Florida, where I said, if you want our new president to be homosexual, you should vote for Hillary. In the 2020 election, Morgulis once again, uh, again claimed he helped organize Russian voters for Trump in Florida. And in another interview with a Belarus state-owned television station just days before the 2020 election, Morgulis said he passed a statement from Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin to the U.S. Congress, containing unfounded claims of corruption by the Bidens in Ukraine. Now, as you know, Sergei Milion, same guy mentioned in the Steele dossier and the latest Durham indictment of Denshenko, And he, you know, he thinks Durham has somehow exonerated him from the terrible things that Steele said about him in the dossier. Uh, Shokin is under investigation along with Rudy Giuliani in both Southern and Eastern Districts of New York for his uh, Ukrainian-backed interference in 2016 and 2020. I will keep you posted about these folks, and they might show up later in the Fantasy Indictment League. And in light of new reporting that former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn actually pushed the Pentagon to seize ballots during the 2020 presidential election, a House Armed Services Committee member is calling on the retired general to lose his military pension. So this story is about Flynn in the new book coming out by Jonathan Carl uh, called Betrayal, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to buy it because there's much in it that should have been released earlier. Uh, anyway, um, Flynn called the Pentagon his buddy um, who whose name is Ezra Cohen-Watnick, um, and tried to get him to seize voting machines and ballots um, after the election, but ahead of the insurrection. But in a new letter to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin by Ruben Gallego, who's a Democrat of Arizona, said taxpayers should no longer foot the former Defense Intelligence Agency chief's bill. Flynn should be, quote, stripped of any military benefits he receives due to his encouragement of and involvement in violent attempts to overturn our democratic process. These outrageous actions are unacceptable for anyone who currently serves or previously served in uniform. Any retiree or service member who suggests committing treasonous acts such as overthrowing our democratically elected government forfeits their moral entitlement to the support of the people of the United States. They called a brief with Gallego, this reporting agency, NATSEC, that is doing this story to understand why he's leading the charge. And he says because he's a traitor. I think he should go to jail. But what's currently within the power of the DOD is to remove his pension. And this goes back to Jonathan Carl's book, where we, what I was talking about earlier, this scene where Flynn called his friend and DOD official Ezra Cohen Watnick implored him to overturn the presidential election results. Flynn told Cohen, the Pentagon's top intelligent official at the time, he needed to get orders signed and that ballots needed to be seized and the extraordinary measures needed to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the election. Cohen Watnick and Chris Miller and Kash Patel, they were all installed late in the game. But Cohen said, sir, the election is over. It's time to move on. And Flynn snapped back, you're a quitter. It's not over. Don't be a quitter. So it seems like Ezra Cohen Watnick might be willing to cooperate because he seems like the source for this story. But in the Alpha Bank server case, let's take a turn over here. This one, what Durham has recently indicted Michael Sussman, who's a lawyer, who was working for a tech exec at the time named Jaffe and Perkins Cooey. Uh, for the Clinton campaign. It, that's, that's the lawyer, remember, the, the Durham indictment? Well, it turns out Alpha Bank's suspicions were only half of what the researchers sought to bring to the government's attention when they brought that stuff to the FBI, and that's according to several people familiar with the matter reported in the New York Times. Their other set of concerns centered on data suggested that a Yodaphone, which is a Russian-made smartphone rarely seen in the United States, had been used from networks serving the White House, Trump Tower, and Spectrum Health. That's Spectrum Health is the um, DeVos joint. Betsy DeVos is connected to that. Mr. Sussman relayed their Yodafone findings to counterintelligence officials at the CIA in February of 2017. Counterintelligence. So we wouldn't have heard of this. It's not clear whether the government ever investigated them, and it probably won't be clear. I'm willing to bet, though, that the agency, too, in the Sussman indictment is the CIA and might have something to do with this Yodafone thing. Interesting that Durham left that part out. Uh, the involvement of the researchers traces back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about that. Durham's indicting Sussman saying, yeah, he went to the FBI with this Alpha Bank stuff, and then he cherry picks emails to say that there was nothing to the Alpha Bank stuff. And then he went to a second agency, Agency Two, and told them the same lies, but fails to leave out the fact that <laughs> just Russian smartphones were involved, and that's why he took it there. Cool. Cool, bro. Now, the involvement of the researchers traces back to the spring of 2016, these researchers. Uh, DARPA, the Pentagon's research funding agency, wanted to commission data scientists to develop the use of so-called DNS logs, records of when servers have prepared to communicate with other servers over the Internet as a tool of hacking investigations. DARPA identified Georgia Tech as a potential recipient of funding and encouraged researchers there to develop examples of Mr. Antonakakis and Mr. Dagon, they both reached out to the office of Mr. Jaffe to gain access to NoiStar's repository of DNS logs. That's according to people familiar with the matter. They began sifting through those DNS logs. Separately, when the news broke, in 2016, Russia hacked the DNC and their servers. Mr. Dagon and Mr. Lorenzen began talking at a, a conference about whether such data might uncover other election-related hacking. And Mr. Lorenzen eventually noticed an odd pattern, a server called mail1.trump-email.com, and that it appeared to be communicating almost exclusively with servers at AlphaBank and Spectrum Health. And he shared the findings with Mr. Dagon, the people said, and they both discussed it with Mr. Joffe, Mr. Joffey is tech executive one. And by early August, the researchers had combined forces and they were increasingly focused on AlphaBank data. And Mr. Jaffe reached out to his lawyer, Michael Sussman, who would take the researcher's data and hypothesis to the FBI in September of 2016. Defense lawyers contend the indictment of Sussman presented a skewed portrait of their client's thinking by selectively quoting from their emails. And I'm certain Sussman, the Sussman indictment is going to be laughed out of court if it even makes it that far after pretrial motions, which I will tell you all about once we start seeing them. All right, we'll be right back with the author of American Compromot, Craig Unger, right after this quick break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. In the 90s, ads for phone sex lines could be seen everywhere, flickering on late-night cable channels and printed on the back of magazines. Phone sex operators worked around the clock to fulfill fantasies, and it started with an idea from Mike Pardez, CEO and founder of American Telnet, who proudly coined himself the telephone pimp. He was joined by tech genius and co-founder Michael Self, who was known as the Bill Gates of phone sex? But it was the women behind the phones who created the close knit yet dysfunctional family that turned American Telnet into a multi billion dollar company and revolutionized the sex industry. As fortunes grew, the founders were sailing lavish yachts, fueling wild drug parties, and burning through cash by the minute, and the FBI was watching their every move. Wondry and Topic Studios' new podcast, Operator, is the untold story of a company which dominated the phone sex industry until the money blinded them and it all came crashing down. I've been really enjoying Operator. It's a fascinating and entertaining show that keeps your attention with thrilling and interesting content. I highly recommend it for all podcast lovers. Follow Operator on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. And today's show is also brought to you by Aura. Every 10 seconds... Someone becomes a victim of fraud or identity theft. What's worse, 23% of those people don't get their money back after the attack. If you think it could never happen to you, you could be their next target. And Aura can help. Aura protects your online finances, personal information, and tech from online threats. It's an all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. You'll be alerted to fraudulent activity and threats fast with Aura. For example, if your online accounts or passwords were compromised or if someone tried to open a bank account in your name, it'll text you right to your phone. Aura's solutions are easy to set up, and all plans come with a proactive $1 million identity theft insurance. And you can always get in touch with U.S.-based customer support. Aura is a new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices with one simple subscription. With an easy online dashboard and alerts sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. For a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans. When you visit Aura.com slash MSW, go to Aura.com slash MSW to get complete protection and a savings of up to 40%. That's Aura, slash MSW. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is the author of the book, American Compromot, one of five he's written. Please welcome Craig Unger. Craig, welcome. Great to be here. I'm really glad to talk to you because, you know, you're such an expert at kind of, you know, slides into authoritarianism, what happens to democracies, but especially in the face of, of kind of Russian active measures, and, and you're really good at getting to the, to the roots of problems uh, as they're stemming up, uh, as we've seen since uh, the election of Trump, and before that, going all the way back to the 80s. Uh, but And, you know, because we've talked to you before on the show about that and the background here, but what I want to talk to you about today are the current active measures going on right now. Uh, and one of the things that you've brought up in, in some of your tweets and some of the discussions I've seen you have is this projection, this sort of, uh, it's opposite day on the, on the side of the GOP, when, when they call the election of Biden the coup, for example, instead of the actual coup that took place, or when Rudy Giuliani calls Adam Schiff a traitor, when Rudy is the one under criminal federal investigation for lobbying illegally for foreign interests. Um, and I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how this disinformation, these disinformation campaigns and whitewashing of history have seeped into the United States. Not that they haven't been here since the founding of our country, but they're, they seem to be on the rise again. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's coming from, uh, from Russia, from the, the former president, from before that. Uh, how is it getting in and taking root?
2: Right. Well, it's a little all of the above, I think. But it reminds me of kindergarten kids saying, I remember your glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks onto you. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what the Republicans are, are doing, really. And, and I think it does go back to the roots of the republic and our founding. I mean, hundreds of years ago as a nation that, uh, of which slavery was an essential part. And I think the Russians know that. And they, they deliberately sort of picked at it and made it come alive again. Um, in this regard, there's a really interesting book that uh, a woman named Susan Neiman wrote called um, Learning from the Germans. And I found it kind of fascinating because I had personal experiences that were similar. When I was a, uh, just 13 years old, I had my first trip to Europe. And my father, when we got to Germany, we, my father showed me Dachau, And if you go to Germany then or now, Uh, Germany, uh, not proudly, but they, 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 they admit their crimes. They say we committed genocide. Uh, If you love, if you love Germany today, you love it with a, have to love it with a broken heart because we committed mass murder. And you can go to Auschwitz or Dachau and see what they did. And it's all there and they admit it. But when I came back from that trip, and, uh, and this was uh, 1962 or three, I was in eighth grade, I immediately went to, uh, on a t- uh, we studied Texas history. I grew up in Dallas. We went on a trip to the Alamo. And you know what? I did not get a straight version of our history. We do not admit our crimes. The Alamo, if you know there was a movie, there was Davy Crockett. I had a Davy Crockett lunchbox. I had Davy Crockett t-shirts. Everyone worshiped Davy Crockett. And what I didn't learn until 40 or 50 years later was the Battle of the Alamo. Davy Crockett, these were slave owners. Um, Back then, Texas was part of Mexico. Mexico had just abolished slavery. So they got every kid in America to have lunchbox rooting for slave owners. We didn't know the real story, and it has been buried. And I think that's happened a lot. And I, I think it happened uh, after the Civil War with Reconstruction, with James, mm-hmm. with Jim Crow, with uh, where you didn't have slavery ended and everyone got 40 acres of mule and was happy. Mm-hmm. No, there, there were different forms of it. There was indentured servitude. There was sharecropping Crow, yeah, mm-hmm. sharecropping mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, when I grew up in Texas, even in my lifetime, it was you know, I, I remember separate water fountains for blacks and whites. Um, uh, blacks couldn't sit on the, on the uh, had to sit in the balcony in movie theaters. I mean, it, it's been true forever. And we, we, we do not admit that history. We, we gloss over it again and again. initially I, I hadn't been that, uh, you know, there's obviously been the controversy about all the con- m- con- monuments to Confederate soldiers. Well, I can just imagine if I went to Germany and saw monuments of Hitler and Goering and so forth, you mm-hmm. wouldn't do that. And um, we, we have, uh, you know, I think the larger uh, takeaway is that we have not come to terms with our crimes. America mm-hmm. does not admit who it was. And the Confederacy, in many ways, was sort of a pre-fascist state that is really very much part of America and it has been subsumed by the Republican Party. I mean, it's kind of a cliche. If you look at red states, blue states, well, gee, the red states looks an awful lot like the Confederate States of America. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up, too. We, you know, we just finished a book series on The Reckoning, Mary Trump's latest book, where she says we don't face these traumas of our past, societally speaking. We can't deal with the ones that are happening to us right now. COVID, the big lie, the insurrection. And, uh, you know, I, I I love that you bring up the Alamo and, and Texas because there are so many families in Texas, uh, Mexican families in Texas. Who, who, who've who been there for generations and say, you know, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. We, you know, exactly. we stayed put. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned be- about how Russia doesn't necessarily create the divisiveness as much as they find it and exploit the existing divisions. And I feel like The current Republican Party has taken a page out of the Russian 2016 election interference efforts and just sort of run with it to to find these divisions, flip the script around on everybody and then hammer home the messaging, um, you know, over and over and over again to, you know, say the Biden election was the coup, et cetera, et cetera. When we know precisely what happened Um, and we're still learning more each day about what happened, particularly I know, you know, we just found out. Jenna Ellis wrote a memo trying to get Pence to to over to overturn the election by throwing out electors from six states, and Mark Meadows emailed that memo to Mark Short, Pence's chief of staff. and And so, uh, talk talk a little bit about because um, there have to be parallels with other authoritarianist state other authoritarian states, where it seems like John McEntee, who was the the head of the PPO, twenty nine year old little douchebag. Uh, put together a shadow legal team because Pat Cipollone and other people in the White House, lawyers, Secolo and stuff, they're like, we're not having any part of this. So he put together like this back channel legal team in the Oval Office of Jenna Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Jeffrey Bosart-Clark, John Eastman, who were on board with the plan to overthrow the election by throwing out electors, but Pence didn't go along with it. Right.
2: Well, one of the interesting things, there, there was a very interesting article I found in the Washington uh, Spectator by Jonathan Weiner. And uh, I'm not a lawyer, so apologies if, if I don't get everything exactly right. But one of the, the fascinating things is as you look into what John Eastman and Jeffrey Clark and the others were putting together, uh, there are two ways of looking at it. And one is in terms of what they were doing on January 6th and Trump's role in it. And you see memos from him that are quite damning, really, saying, just say it's corrupt and we'll figure out the rest later. Um, So he was clearly trying to overturn the election. But it's also worth looking at what they were doing in terms of seeing it as a blueprint for what may or will happen in 2024. And one of the most disturbing things is if, You know, we were sort of saved in this most recent election. Biden won by a fairly comfortable margin as it turned out. But there were these uh, five or six states like Georgia that could have gone either way. And fortunately, in Georgia, you had Secretary of State uh, Raffensperger, uh, who uh, was a Republican and uh, (laughs) for once, a Republican actually stood up for reality and he allowed the the votes to be cast for Biden because he had actually won the popular vote. Um, Next time around, that may not be so simple because if you look at some of the documents between uh, from Jeffrey Clark, it includes what they call the independent state legislature doctrine. And this was a doctrine established, I think way back in 1892, And theoretically, at least, it gives state legislatures uh, the power to take back certification of the electoral votes. And that doctrine was invoked in uh, 2000
0: election when we had uh, Bush v. Gore. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, based on the big lie, they're passing laws that allow Republican legislatures to throw out slates of electors and assemble their own slates of electors, voters be damned. We could see that in states like Georgia, Texas, et cetera, in the next election, so that the vice president's role can remain ministerial, uh, but throw out electors based on these new state laws. It's it's um, frightening. That to me is the f- most frightening part of these new voter suppression laws that are being um, churned out in, in multiple states based on lies about election fraud, that these legislatures will be able to appoint their own electors if they don't like what the voters decided.
2: Right. And it goes back to uh, when I grew up in Texas, there was actually a kid in high school and his father had named him. His first name was state and the second name was rights and state rights. And state rights was really a a cover for slavery, really, for defending slavery. That's what it was. But it became a much more sanitized way of saying it. Um, And here you see, again, them promoting the rights of individual states so that they supersede uh, the the national will. And this has really been going on for some time. I I wrote a book about Karl Rove uh, about 15 years ago. And Roe was all about taking over state legislatures and the state Supreme Courts in Texas, Alabama, and all over. And that's one reason now you have, uh, I I think nearly 35 of the states out of 50 states are controlled by Republicans. These are the the state legislature and the Supreme Court and so forth. And that is a battle that is very, very frustrating because it's really hard for any of us and the blue states, to have any uh, impact on that whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we vote, we vote our pants off, but it doesn't make a difference, <laughs> if, you know. Right,
2: and and you see exactly how undemocratic the United States in so many different ways. I mean, we know all this. Idaho has as many senators as California. It's just uh, e- everything is is, is just. Up.
0: Well, and that's the, that's a big part of the misinformation and disinformation campaign by the G, uh, by the GOP. The messaging now is that we aren't a democracy. In fact, I think Michael Lee texted out or uh, tweeted out, you know, rank democracy is the enemy of liberty, a uh, rank democracy. A- and they're moving. You know, they're they're always like this is a republic. We're an a, a electoral republic and using language to sort of like almost like a like a. A reflexive control sort of language tool to to convince their base that we are not a democracy and therefore we shouldn't be voting like one.
2: Right, it's uh, crazy. I mean, we should be arguing for more democracy, not less. And and uh, uh, the idea that that these little local localities, whether uh, smaller states or the or the, a few legislators and in, in Texas or Georgia or whatever, can take away. Uh, the electoral votes is, is very, very disturbing. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Texas with Beto running, coming up. Mm. Uh, and so that's going to be a fascinating race.
0: Right, because gerrymandering doesn't impact a statewide election like that. Um, it's That's one vote, one person when you're talking about uh, the statewide governorship. Um, what do you think... Besides, obviously, our own sordid past of ignoring and whitewashing history, backsliding into white supremacy after failed reconstruction, um, changing the terms uh, from slavery to sharecropping, and then we've got the school-to-prison pipeline, all of this stuff that we ignore and, you know, now the Republicans don't want anyone to learn about. Uh, is there another source for this kind of disinformation, uh, like the whitewashing of the insurrection the big lie and of course the covid vaccine conspiracy theories because this is what scares me i mean this all this scares me but you know we have the lowest percentage of vaccinated adults in the G7 and that has to really please someone like vladimir putin
2: yes it, it, it's very <laughs> weird i just find it insane that people educated people will refuse to get a vaccine uh or or at least say that uh because it it, it has political mo- uh, it's a badge of courage politically for them on the right. Um, and I, uh, I there's certainly been a, a fair amount of this being fueled by Russian trolls. It's hard to quantify that, I think, but, but certainly they played a role in the growth of QAnon. Uh, they played a, a role in the events leading up to uh, January 6th. Um, and, and I suspect it's strongly going on. We've also had massive hacking. I mean, this is different than disinformation, but it's very, very dangerous. Of course, we had the solar winds hacking um, in Tampa, Florida. Uh, We—I don't think they ever determined the source of the hack, but the water supply was actually uh, hacked, and someone—someone and uh, someone was alert enough to keep them from putting in uh, huge amounts of chlorine, which would have made the water supply poisonous and, and could have killed thousands and thousands of people in Tampa uh so this is a very uh the electrical grids have been compromised and we see this all over it's hard to know uh when and where uh uh, something chaotic will erupt when you when you saw the ice storms in texas last year and you understand that the electrical grid has been compromised sometimes that can become very very dangerous and i think as we approach both first the midterms and then 2024 uh, we're going to see a lot of trouble. There's going to be real chaos. This thing is not at all over yet.
0: So, and that brings me to my final question. We got just about a minute left here. What, what, uh, can we do? I ask all the experts, what, what actions can we take? Is it just to keep sharing the truth and countering the lies? Do we just keep trying to shed light and, and put sunlight on, on what's really happening? Is that pretty much all we can do? It's
2: enormously frustrating. I mean, if I didn't couldn't write, I don't know what I'd be doing. I make small contributions to people in states where, that I think are strategically important, like uh, Beto in uh, in Dallas uh, in Texas, um, you know. And and there are selective, but it it it's very very scary. And I I think uh, that's what's becoming painfully apparent is exactly how powerless millions and millions of people are, and that we don't really have a democracy. Uh, Biden won by over 7 million votes. That should be comfortable enough that we don't, I mean, and yet you see how weak the Democrats are, even having won both houses and the White House, they still don't have real power. And that's what's been frustrating, and that's what the Republicans are masters of. And I think we have to thwart that at many, many different levels. I also think just uh, one other thing that, one of the big problems, and I, I say this again and again, is the real scandal is often what is legal. And so much of this has been done, slips between the cracks of what the legal system has, has been fighting. I try to write about it at every opportunity, but it should be scandalous. And what it means is we need real reforms. We need real oversight in Congress. and. Uh, The Democrats in Congress aren't strong enough to get it through, and, and we have to support them and make them stronger and get some of that oversight through.
0: Yeah, lawful but awful, as they say. Uh, I appreciate your time today. Another thing that we can do is educate ourselves and and uh read as much as we can and I really highly recommend everybody check out your books, uh especially American Compromot. they're all amazing uh and you know then we have that i to me knowledge is the enemy of anxiety. The more I know the 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 more confidence I have to to march forth and 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 help get help win elections help prevent the backslide into authoritarianism. Um, and I, I appreciate your time today. So, uh, thank you very much for coming on, Craig Unger.
2: Well, thanks for having
0: me. everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody! This portion of the show is brought to you by Wealthfront. If you want to invest for the long term, it helps to invest on your terms. Maybe you're pro solar. Maybe you're a cannabis supporter. Maybe you're an emerging market crypto nerd. Whoever you are, you should invest in what you believe in, and that's what makes Wealthfront so great. In just minutes, you can get started with Wealthfront's classic portfolio, or you can make things custom with the investments you care about most. Wealthfront even offers socially responsible portfolios, which is a mix of funds built around human rights, climate change, and sustainability. Wealthfront is super easy to personalize, meaning you can tweak your portfolio to match the things you care about, like clean energy funds, crypto trusts, cannabis, and there's hundreds to choose from. No matter what you're into, Wealthfront will help you build wealth responsibly and protect you from making mistakes like going on some bad advice you got on Reddit. And best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading and rebalancing, and they even help lower your tax bill as you invest. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. You can get your first $5,000 managed for free at wealthfront.com/msw. It takes just minutes to start building your wealth, so visit wealthfrontfront.com/msw. That's wealthfront.com/msw. And today's show is also brought to you by Wild Alaskan Company. If you like to cook, you know that flavorful meals start with high-quality food and simple ingredients. With Wild Alaskan Company, their seafood is frozen right after it's caught for peak freshness, so you can avoid the fuss of unhealthy sauces and over-seasoning. Instead, all you need are a few simple ingredients and you've got a delicious lunch or dinner for you or your whole family. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high quality, sustainably sourced wild caught seafood right to your door. Each shipment contains premium cuts of individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare and easy to cook. You can choose from salmon, cod, halibut and more or a combination of both of them or all of them. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Wild Alaskan Company Seafood is how nature intended it to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. And right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com. That's Wild Alaskan, A L A S K A N, company.com slash MSW for $15 off your first box. Wild Alaskan slash MSW, and please use our URL to let them know we sent you. All right, welcome back. It's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted!
1: it,
2: they can't it's gonna be okay just calm down I can't calm down I'm
1: gonna
0: be done all right we've got a few for you today first of all I'm going to give myself points for drafting Ingersoll last week federal prosecutors investigating the crimes of former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg have charged two of Greenberg's associates and accused them of a multi-million dollar real estate fraud scheme that's according to an indictment unsealed Monday authorities say Keith Ingersoll and James Adamsick Working with other unnamed co-conspirators bilked an Orlando area investor out of $12 bucks by persuading the investor to put money up for more than half a dozen fraudulent real estate deals in Florida um, and other states and the Bahamas. Ingersoll and Chick claimed to the investor they needed money to cover deposits on contracts they had signed to purchase various properties they planned to immediately flip for other buyers, at least some of whom were fabricated. And they were fabricated using fake IDs out of Greenberg's office, those same fake IDs that Matt Gates was going through on video late at night. and they used to make women who were young be 21 so they could get into clubs and bars with them. Records show Ingersoll, to whom Greenberg gave $48,000 in a contract to serve as a real estate advisor to the tax collector's office, was also involved in the transaction on behalf of the tax office. Several of Greenberg's other top advisors helped broker the deal too. An auditor who later examined the deal wrote that the acquisition of this property has collusion written all over it. Auditors uh, also separately said they found no evidence of work from Ingersoll for his consulting contract. Weird. That's going to play a role uh, in my new Fantasy Indictment League draft, uh, which I will tell you right after this other indictment that happened, too, actually. Remember when Trump and Rick Grinnell accused Iran of interfering in the 2020 election to help Biden? And that message was sort of passed around a few certain members of Congress, I remember. Well, Damien Williams, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, who just got there, by the way, October 10th, and Brian uh, Vorndran, the Assistant Director of the FBI's Investigation Cyber Division, and Matthew G. Olson, Assistant Attorney General for National Security, announced today the unsealing of an indictment charging Iranian citizens and residents, Syed Mohammed Hossein Musa Kazemi. Um, who has a lot of different AKAs, and Hossein Zamani and Zajad Kashian for the involvement in a cyber-enabled campaign to intimidate and influence American voters and otherwise undermine voter confidence and sow discord in connection with the 2020 presidential election. As part of this campaign, the conspirators obtained confidential United States voter information from at least one state election website, sent threatening email messages to intimidate voters, created and disseminated a video containing disinformation pertaining to purported but non-existent voting vulnerabilities, attempted to access without authorization several states' voting-related websites, and successfully gained unauthorized access to a U.S. media company's computer network that, if not for successful FBI and victim company efforts to mitigate, would have provided the conspirators with another vehicle for further disseminating false claims. The case has been assigned to U.S. District Judge Victor Marrero. Damian Williams said, as alleged, Kazemi and Kashyan were part of a coordinated conspiracy in which Iranian hackers sought to undermine faith and confidence in the U.S. presidential elections. Working with others, Kazemi and Kashian accessed voter information from at least one state's voter database, threatened U.S. voters via email, and even disseminated a fictitious video that purported to depict actors fabricating overseas ballots. The United States will never tolerate any foreign actors' attempt to undermine our free and democratic elections. As a result, the charges unsealed today and uh, the concurrent efforts of our U.S. government, Kazemi and Kashian, will look, forever look over their shoulders as we strive to bring them to justice. Hmm, hmm. So, Trump and Rick Grinnell and certain Republican members of the Senate and Congress were saying, it's Iran, it's Iran that's the problem, not Russia. And hey, look, these Iranians uh put uh, said that they were proud boys to make Trump look bad the, these these Iranian hackers are trying to help Biden win the election <laughs> but as it turns out the emails were they pre- pre- they pre- pretended to be proud boys saying that they would physically harm democrats if they didn't vote for Trump and all of the voter data that was stolen and everyone who was targeted with these harassing emails were democrats And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure, you know, I mean if if what they were doing was gaining access to certain media sites sites trying at least to do that. And they had a, a fake video of of, uh, of ballots being fabricated overseas to show that the election was rigged, that doesn't sound like... It's helping Biden. (laughs) Anyway, here's the scheme. Starting in August 2020 and proceeding till November 2020, Kazemi and Kashian and other co-conspirators began a coordinated four-stage campaign to undermine faith and confidence in the 2020 election. It's called the Election Interference Campaign. And otherwise, they were trying to sow discord within the U.S. society, which helps Trump. We know this. Sowing uh, doubt about the election integrity and discord is Trump. That's a Trump camp. The campaign had four components. In September and October 2020, members of the conspiracy conducted reconnaissance on and attempted to compromise approximately 11 state voter websites, including state voter registration websites and state voter information websites. His efforts resulted in the successful exploitation of a misconfigured computer system in a particular U.S. state, and they don't tell you which state it is, and the resulting unauthorized downloading of more than 100,000 state one voters' information. On October 2020, members of the conspiracy claiming to be a group of Proud Boy volunteers sent Facebook messages and emails—these are the false election messages—to Republican senators, Republican members of Congress, individuals associated with the presidential campaign of Donald Trump, White House advisors, and members of the media. The false election messages claimed that the Democratic Party was planning to exploit serious security vulnerabilities in state voter registration websites to edit mail-in ballots or even register non-existent voters. The false election messages were accompanied by a video, the false election video, which purported via simulated intrusions uh, and the the use of state one voter data to depict an individual affiliated with the Proud Boys hacking into a state voter website and using stolen voter information to create fraudulent absentee ballots through a federal voting assistance program for military and overseas workers. To show you that the election was being stolen by Democrats, but this is to help Biden. Biden. Uh, Of course. Also, in October 2020, they engaged in an online voter intimidation campaign involving threatening messages. These are called the voter threat emails purporting to be from the Proud Boys to tens of thousands of registered Democrats, including some voters whose information and the conspiracy obtained from state one's website. The emails were sent to registered Democrats threatened the recipients with physical injury if they did not change their party affiliation and vote for Trump. On November 4th, 2020, the day after the U.S. presidential elections, the conspirators sought to leverage earlier September and October intrusions into an American media company's computer networks. Specifically on that day, the conspirators attempted to use stolen credentials to gain access to the media company's network, which would have provided them another vehicle for disseminating false claims concerning election security through conspirator-modified or created content. However, because of an earlier FBI victim notification, Media Company One had by that time mitigated the conspirators' unauthorized access. So they've been indicted. Happy indictment week. We had had quite a few indictments this week. I think there's going to be more to come. And for my picks this week, I'm giving Greenberg's cooperation um, a little bit more juice here because... The fact that Ingersoll and Adamchik were nabbed based on their weird contracts for $48,000 with tax collector's office, for which no work was done, that means I'm going to continue again to draft Jacob Engels. And Ella Key, L.A. Key uh, is her name or one of her aliases or something like that. Last name Key, I think, is the most important part. She had a weird contract and did no work, too. Fishy contracts. So those two, then add Mad Gates, Matt Gates. That has to be happening soon, and then Rudy tozing into Geneva, and I'm gonna add Shokin and Lutsenko too, the Ukrainians in that scheme with Rudy. Maybe even Fertosh. Hmm. I'm gonna put the Trump org on ice for a little bit. They just impaneled a new grand jury, so it might be a minute. Uh, but that gives me just a couple more, and I'm gonna add Trump for obstruction. Uh, because the D.C. U.S. attorney just got there November 5th, and that's where the obstruction of justice charges from the Mueller report would come from. Maybe even possibly Trump again for the Stormy Daniels case in the Southern District of New York, because Damian Williams just got there. U.S. attorney for the Southern District got there October 10th. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, they've, they've since Since they got there, they've been dropping big indictments, including Bannon for criminal contempt of Congress, the two Iranians. Anyway, that's my hope. We'll see what happens. But um, that is the show for this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, I appreciate your patience and your concern for what went down last week with me personally. I was assaulted at a hotel uh, in case you hadn't heard. But anyway, I'm I'm doing much better and and I appreciate your patience with me this week as I get my head back on straight. So thank you very much for that. And everybody, please, until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And this is Muller She Wrote.
1: And And this this is is how we win.
0: MSW
1: Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct.